Hello! I'm Kelsey. And I'm Kim. Welcome to episode four of Akafas in July on the Massive Fans Book Club podcast. Uh, remember when we had big dreams of dropping three long-form episodes for this book, but then technology said a big nope, so now we're just giving little episodes of Akafas away like Oprah gives out cars? Yeah, well, you know, we all need cars, so why not you give out an episode episodes and you get an episode? <laughs> I mean, why not? It makes sense. I'm all for it. <laughs> anyway, here we are covering chapters 14 through 20 of A Court of Frost and Starlight by Sarah J. Mass. And diving right in, since this is a pretty meaty chunk, uh, because it's finally Solstice, baby! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> My favorite time of year! <laughs> and it only um, took 14, up, 14 uh, chapters to get here. <laughs> that's right, only 14. So just remember that this podcast is not for little ears. And as always, we are trying to grow our listener base, so please follow us on all of our social channels, which we will list at the end of each episode, and you'll find in our show notes. And as a reminder, we will announce our Winter Solstice giveaway winner during our first August episode, which should drop around August 9th-ish. I say ish, because technology be technology, yo. Very true. (laughs) And as we have been doing, Kelsey has all the favorite chapters, and I have everyone else. (laughs) So, let me kick us off with a Reese chapter. Do it. Okay, chapter 14. Resend. So, Reese is walking around Valaris, and at this point he is over down on the Sidra where a lot of those manor houses were, Apparently, they were pretty wrecked during the attack from Highburn. And as he says, even with workers seldom halting their repairs, the rebuilding was still years from being finished, especially along the Sidra where Highburn had hit the hardest. Um, And, you know, he's he's talking about all the different estates that he knew. He grew up with these estates and they are... Many of them are just rubble. I mean, they were literally destroyed. They were taken down to ruin. And he's kind of struggling. He has odd memories because, you know, he grew up visiting these families. He knew them all. They're, you know, parts of the court, the whole bit. So it was just a weird kind of walk down memory lane, so to speak. And uh, Moore has decided to walk with him. And they were chit-chatting about a couple of different things. And Moore had asked him about, you know, what's going on with these families and more Reese is even like, well, some of them, you know, they don't know what they're going to do. Most of them haven't decided. A couple have decided they're just not going to rebuild. And so as they're walking... It makes you really want to know, like, so where did they go? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, some of them, went, like, they all had different things. They, She wasn't... He, I mean, he talks about some of them have country houses on the outskirts of the city. Um, and so they went there. Some of them have property in other parts of the night court and they went there I, I get that my point is like because we don't have a map like what do these things look like we literally only know about Valaris and then the windy cold shit on the mountain <laughs> country houses I need to know about this <laughs> no I don't know we know about the human city the I doubt they moved there <laughs> I don't think you were there. 
and Valaris. I, I don't know. Yeah, that's why I was like, I get his description vaguely, but like now I just have questions. I, I don't know. I just, I, I, I just, I, you know, just work for the ride. Um, anyway, he does acknowledge that Moore had found him after lunch and he had invited her along the walk, knowing it was going to be coming. He wasn't stupid enough to believe that even though the war had ended, all the wounds had been healed, especially between he and Moore. And that he also had noticed that when they were in the Hewn City the other evening, you know, he had seen her kind of disappear into her head. He acknowledges, you know, it told him enough about where her mind had drifted to and why she was feeling that way. As in, then, as he says, another casualty of this war, working with Kier and Eris had dimmed something in my cousin. So, you know, it's kind of sad because he acknowledges that he had to make a hard choice and that hard choice is definitely affecting her and his relationship with her for that matter. So, you know, something definitely for them to be working on. She has, he has also, though he also acknowledges at this point that the, that both Eris and Kier's deaths are Moore's to claim and truly no one else's. And as he says, you know, they always had been, and I'd never asked why she'd waited so long as in she has yet to actually take those deaths into her control. I just think it's interesting because I can't remember if it's before this or in like the section we're covering briefly, like later here. Um, But she says the same thing about why hasn't he killed Tamlin basically. Yeah. And I just think it's interesting because I think the answer for both of them is like, yeah, I could do it, but I'm actually not that person. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I truly don't know. You and know I also I mean? think we're dealing with people who are a little more complicated than just like Kyburn bad, Amarantha bad, like Kier bad, but also her dad. <laughs> so like yeah. a little complicated. Eris bad, but maybe. <laughs> like Damlin bad, but maybe. So they're continuing to, to talk and, and, you know, he brings up the fact that Kier will be visiting Valaris soon. And Moore's like, yeah, I know. So Reese brings up that, you know, Kier's going to be coming to visit soon. And, and you know, Moore acknowledges that. And she's like, not happy. And even Reese isn't real happy. He's managed to keep putting Kier off as long as he can. Sure. Um, however, he had also prepared the city and the 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 people who help run it within it to basically yeah care can come and his ilk can come but they're not welcome and to not do anything to make them feel welcome right so there is that but he also acknowledges that the only reason why care really wants to come to Valaris is to upset and torment and torture more not for any other reason right and that's right. kind of disturbing too you know i mean i'm like yeah. dude really he does explain to her that it'll probably be in the spring so they have maybe a couple months but at least she still has some time with which to prepare sure. and she finally is like look i trust you and you know, he, he says thank you, and then she says, but I still wish there had been another way. And to which he answers, I do too. I know. So, 
at least that's, you know, definitely an interesting play at hand, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. Like, it It was interesting because I remember when it happened, we were, like, kind of surprised at Moore's reaction, like, that it was so bad. But, like, right. I guess it's just because they didn't get to have this conversation before. I guess it's not really the outcome she's upset about because she understands that, like, Reese didn't really have a choice. I think she just didn't like being blindsided. I agree. I think if Reese had not blindsided her, it would have gone a lot better. In complete fairness, I'm not sure that Reese really planned that far ahead and wasn't more spitballing like as the moment occurred. So, I mean, in fairness, I'm not sure how much early warning she could have gotten, but I I would agree with that as well. Yeah. So, so I don't know. But hey, at least they're like not weird. <laughs> very true. Like at least very, they fix their problems. <laughs> sort very, of. very true. Moore's funny about it. She goes, I wish we were still able to threaten to unleash Amran on the entire Hewn City. I know. Amran had given up so much of her power when she came back after killing off Highburn. Right. Reese is funny about it. He goes, yeah, half of me wonders if Amran still wishes the same. <laughs> and then, you know, Moore's like, are you getting her a good solstice gift? And as he says, Nev was practically with glee when I left the shop <laughs> and then they turn to so then she's like so what have you gotten Farah and he's like um yeah, yeah about that <laughs> got any ideas realizes he really has no idea and then she gives him hell for it because she's like it's your mate you should know this so whatever I find it interesting yeah, and more. You've known these people for literally hundreds of years, and you still can't shop for them, so... <laughs> I know. Because as he says, and this is where, by the way, everybody, this is where the jokes about all of Moore's horrible Christmas presents make sense now. Yeah. In the centuries I'd known her, Moore's present buying abilities had never improved. I had a drawer full of downright hideous cufflinks that I'd never worn, each gaudier than the next. I was lucky, though. Cassian had a trunk crammed with silk shirts of varying colors of the rainbow. Some even had ruffles on them. I could only imagine the horrors in store for my mate. So, hmm. what here about we go, Cass people. Like, what about Cassian Scream's ruffle shirt? <laughs> Not much, but, you know, hey. Unless yeah. he's trying to go for that pirate look at Halloween, I I'm not sure. Now just having a whole, like, flashback of the Seinfeld episode about the puffy shirt. Hey. <laughs> if I've got to picture him in a puffy shirt, I'm going to have fun with it. <laughs> now I'm picturing the puffy shirt. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> No, and the other way of doing it is to also consider it as a, you know, like, a la Jamie Fraser. Yeah, somehow I still don't think that Cassian's trying to walk around in that. <laughs> well, no, but you know, like I said, if I gotta have that thought, I'm gonna go somewhere yeah. and fun with it. Fair, fair. Okay, fair. Maybe that's what more thinks she's accomplishing anyway. <laughs> 
I don't think that's what she's trying to accomplish, but I'm going to go there with it. So it makes yeah, it better for yeah. me, at least. Who knows? The mental picture Who... is much better. Who knows? Then Reese also gets down to the real meat of the rest of this conversation, which is he tells her, I'm going to need you. Looking at him going, and? And he goes, all right, not with Kier and the Hewn City and not with holding the peace long enough for things to stabilize. Which point now she crosses her arms and she's looking at him. And he says, as can infiltrate most courts, most lands, but I might need you to win those lands over. Treaty negotiations are dragging on too long. To which she answers, they're not happening at all. Truth. And he's like, you don't have to be gone for months. Just, you know, visits here and there, casual. And she says, casual, but make the kingdoms and territories realize that if they push too far or enter into human lands, we'll obliterate them. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, something like that. And then he's like, so if I'm flitting around the continent, who's going to be watching and dealing with the Court of Nightmares? And Reese is like, oh, I will. <laughs> and she's like, you're not doing this because you think I can't handle Kier. And he's like, no, I think you can. I know you can, but your talents are better wielded elsewhere for now. Kier wants to build ties to the Autumn Court. Let him. Whatever he and Eris are scheming up, they know we are watching and know how stupid it would be for either of them to push us. One word to Baron and Eris's head will roll. So it's, you know, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's a weird section because... Yeah, just go on. You, you'll probably hit the thing that sticks out to me as extra weird. So just just carry on. It's fine. <laughs> we'll see. So, you know, she finally is like, when would I need to leave? And he's like, not for another few weeks, maybe a month. You know, he realizes too long. She'd been cooped up within the borders of this court for too long. The war barely counted. And it wouldn't happen in a month or perhaps a few years, but I could see it, the invisible noose, tightening around her neck with every day spent here. But, like, like, why? (laughs) We have no background information to make this make sense. I agree. What about Moore's personality is that she can't stay in one place for very long? Nobody has ever mentioned that. She's been your cousin for forever. For my knowledge, she's been your right-hand person for forever. So, I like, agree. When did she spend all this time elsewhere? I don't know. Until I decided, okay, hear me out. Until I decided this is going to be one of those things where it's like, no, you idiot. Like, I think, I, I sort of feel like we're building in this, like, it's it's almost like a trope. Where it's like, he's going to be like, she just seems so unhappy. So I decided that she needs somewhere else to be to spread her wings. And then it's like, no, you don't. She's not unhappy because she doesn't want to be here. She's unhappy because she doesn't want to date men. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, okay, there's no so that. Well, not the night court, you dumbass. <laughs> she just doesn't know how to tell us that. Right. So, like, I, yeah, I'm not entirely sure what we're doing here. I'm also having a really hard time believing that we're, like, I don't know. And maybe that's just me projecting based off of, like, people I've known where it's like, oh, I'm a free spirit. 
you're not a free spirit. You just don't know how to tell people what you want. <laughs> well, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm just projecting that on here or if that's really where we're going with this, because I just sort of feel like the more storyline has to go one of two ways. It's either everybody's going to be like, oh, we just thought you weren't happy here. You want to date girls? Okay. Um, or it's going to go like, I just have to tell you I'm a lesbian. And everybody's going to be like, we know. <laughs> Why did you afraid to think it was a secret? Like, why are you telling us things we know? <laughs> yeah, I think we haven't already figured that one out. Okay. Yeah, so I just, I always think back to that kid in high school when he had a big announcement senior year at our lunch table to tell us he was gay. And we all were like, oh, well, you're so brave to tell us. Like, thank you. And then he left to like go get a water bottle and we were all like silent for like three seconds until finally somebody was like, I thought we knew that. <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we all thought like, yes, that we agree. That is what this silence is about because we all thought he was out. So for like the rest of the week, we had to be like, yeah, buddy, thanks for telling us. Even though we were like, the fuck? Yeah. I, you know, who knows? I'm so I'm not sure which way we're going to take this storyline, but I just, I, I guess this is making me think it's going to be the first one where it's going to be like, what? You thought we'd be upset? No, that's okay. You don't have to leave the night court. You can date girls here. But I just right. feel like that's really a weird way to go with it. But I, I sort of felt like that's what this conversation is setting up because otherwise, what the hell are you talking about? I agree. Anyway, yeah, okay. So yeah, you did touch on the part that made me go, huh? You know, but, you know, he does tell her that it's her choice and sure. she takes some time to think about it. Sure. Anyway, he's, you know, it basically ends at that. He goes, consider it an offer, not an order. And they basically, you know, get going and and they turn towards this, as they're walking, they, there's this ruined house and more had kind of stopped and she's looking at this ruined house and the ground's behind them. And she, he realizes that she's staring not at the, the ruins, but eastward toward the continent and the lands within as if wondering what might be waiting there. And that's the end of the chapter. It's kind of weird. It is. And, and you and I've talked offline about this and we'll probably touch on it more as we go through the rest of these uh, chapters in this episode. So the thing about this book is we get a lot of information. That's why I don't like when people write it off. We get a ton of information that is probably going to come back later. We get some background and we get a lot of characterization, right? But some of it, like this weird little more piece, feels like information I understand that we're probably going to come back to. Like, I get that this is probably going to come up again. So yeah, I'm just, I'm not fully convinced that the, the like delivery of the information is great is I guess what I'm trying to say. Like, I think the information is good, but I'm not fully convinced the way we get the information is as clear as it could be. I agree. So, I, you know, I agree. I think it's, it feels rushed. It does. Little, a little, a little, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, info dumpy, but wrapped up in a Christmas bow so that you don't notice <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah anyway uh chapter 15 is here perspective so uh i'm up and i immediately have a question 
Kim, you're usually better at timelines than me. The fuck day is this? Because, okay, here's what happened. Here's what happened, Kim, so that you understand why my brain just, like, completely blacked out. Is this the same day as it was in chapter 14? Because now we're talking about breakfast. So, I think what happened is this is the same day as chapter 14. Okay. However, from Reese's point of view, he had gone to work. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. He woke up, he did his stuff, and then he saw more. Now we're getting Feyre wakes up, she has breakfast, she does things. Okay, okay, thank you. Thank you, because I was like, Kim, what the fuck? (laughs) And if I'm wrong, oh my god, I'm so sorry. Okay. That's the only thing I can think of. Your interpretation is fine, we're gonna roll with that. (laughs) Anyway, Feyre wakes up, and she uh, is, like, alone. Uh, Reese has gone off. And she's like, well, thank God, because I really, really got to figure out what the fuck I'm getting him for solstice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Small problem. So she goes down to breakfast and Elaine actually uh, joins her. And long story short, they just kind of end up chatting over breakfast. And the, it's not really important. Cassian is still like asleep on the couch, as is also somewhere over there. Like, you know, they're both sleeping off the drunkies. So it just, Amorin had left. It, it's fine. Basically, the point is, is the only people alive to the world are Feyre and Elaine, and they're now at breakfast together. And she's thinking about how she needs to go out shopping, and Elaine actually tells her, I know it's not easy for you. And she means, like, the shopping, because for so many years, they had so little money that Feyre just couldn't even, like, fathom doing it. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, it makes sense. I hadn't... I have to admit, I think that would be kind of weird. I'm sure she's struggling. Like, how do I get gifts? First of all, I've never had money to be able to shop like this. But second right. of all, what do you buy people? Like, at right. this point, right. they have everything. She knows they have everything. Right. So so how do you pick something out for them? Yeah. For the and first what's time, interesting is, if you remember, Elaine, even when they had practically no money, was still a very good gift giver. She knew what people wanted, not what they needed, what they wanted. Excellent. She's, I think this is why some people misunderstand Elaine. She may be quiet, but she's very observant. And that is to her advantage. Yes. Yes. Um, like I said, I will admit that things get a little fucking weird here in a few minutes when they go shopping, but that's okay. We still, we still like an observant, participating, awake, and lucid Elaine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, ultimately, uh, Elaine is actually the one to talk favor kind of off the ledge there about her, like, solstice shopping. And I think what she says is cute. She says, it's their tradition, though, one that they fought and died to protect in the war. Perhaps that's the better way to think of it rather than feeling guilty. To remember that this day means something to them, all of them, regardless of who has more, who has less. And in celebrating that tradition, even though the pre- even through the presence... We honor those who fought for its very existence, for the peace this city now has. That's and so. Feyre's, I know! Feyre's just like, wow. <laughs> like I said, I think people have underestimated Elaine on okay. so many levels. In complete fairness, like, because, like, I'm not an Elaine lover by any means, 
But, like, yes, I agree. People have pretty much underestimated Elaine. But in fairness, it's because it's kind of easy to underestimate somebody who pines away for a novel and a half, like, um, like not with the rest of the world, who also, while her family was starving, never uh, even thought about using her green thumb to, like, grow a potato. I, I agree. I mean, I have my issues with Elaine. Like, I have my issues with Nesta. Right. <laughs> right. I just think people have underestimated Elaine, and that's why I get really sure. frustrated because people are always like, oh, Elaine, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, you're okay with Nesta. Like, and these are the people that are the biggest, oh, but Nesta's the best. And I'm like, in fairness, it's like you and I have discussed before, like a hundred times. It's just that people latch on to what they can understand and just ignore what they can't because it's complicated. And like, in, again, incomplete fairness of like any reader who does that. Uh, this is not the eighth grade. We don't have to write a report or take a test. So truthfully, like you're re- <laughs> when you're reading for enjoyment, if there's a character you don't like, and you don't want to deal with, don't huh? lie. <laughs> I agree. Anyway, the point is, is Elaine actually makes a good point and Feyre is like as stunned as the rest of us. Um, <laughs> yep. And she just kind of says, you're right. So yeah, they carry on. They They go shopping together, which is nice. And probably, like, cute for the TV show. I think it'd be really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And they do come upon a little weaver shop. And no, not the same way I did, which is the weaver! (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, no, no, a weaver, a weaver. (laughs) Honey, Saga's dead. She died. We watched her die. But anyway, um, they do come upon a shop, and anyway, it, it, there's a tapestry in the window. And uh, the way Farrah describes it is a tapestry that had been woven from fabric so black it seemed to devour the light, so black it almost strained the eye. The insignia, however, had been rendered in silver thread. No, not silver, a sort of iridescent thread that shifted with the sparks of color like woven starlight. And Elaine kind of picks up on the fact that she's, like, looking at it, like, you know, a little longer than she's looked at other stuff. <laughs> and she's like, oh, are you thinking of getting it? Favor's like, I don't know who I would even get it for, but, like, yeah, kind of. And so they go into the shop, and they actually meet, like, the woman who is the weaver. And this goes weirdly heavy weirdly fast and then we also like get a record scratch every time elaine talks (laughs) hear me out so what happened was they meet the woman who you know weaves the things and pharaoh asks you know hey like i was curious about the tapestry in the front with the insignia and you know what is it the woman admits that she gets asked that multiple times a day And so she explains, it's an unusual fabric. Uh, Questions are to be expected. I call it the void. It absorbs the light, creates a complete lack of color. And so Elaine just pipes in and says, oh, like, so you made it. And the woman says, yes, it was an experiment to see kind of, you know, if she could create, you know, the blackest black type of, you know, fabric. The really upsetting part is when Feyre then says, well, you know, like... Well, I guess Elaine's actually the one to ask why. And Faye was like, mm-hmm, because now we're just very curious about your art, ma'am. Uh, except then it just takes a really, like, downward spiral turn because she says, my husband didn't return from the war. I began to create the void the day after I learned he'd fallen. 
And Feyre starts thinking about how, like, Reese hadn't asked anyone in the city to join the armies. So, like, that means that this man had deliberately chosen to go to war. She's, like, thinking all this, and I guess it shows on her face that she's like, uh... Because then the woman continues... He thought it was right to help fight. He left with several others who felt the same and joined up with a summer court legion they found on their way south. He died in the Battle of Adriata. And so they both kind of mutter their, you know, I'm sorry for your loss, you know, that. And the thing is, is then the Faye Weaver woman goes on and says, I thought we'd have a thousand more years together, which is like inconceivable on our part as humans and a little like same on Faye's party thing, because like, even though she has very well adjusted to now being Faye, she's like, ah, wow, yeah, I guess you would, wouldn't you? And so the woman just goes on, in the 300 years we were wed, we never had the chance to have children. I don't even have a piece of him in that way. He's gone, and I'm not. Void was born of that feeling. And Pharaoh's just like, wow, like I really could have gone and bought fudge two shots down instead, but I came in here like, Jesus! Welcome to the Sucker Punch. Yeah, like literally could have shopped anywhere else, but okay. Um, so Feyre's just like now stuck in her own head. She's thinking like, oh my god, like what this woman has been through. This could have been me. Like it could have been Reese. Like who knows? Like what could have happened, right? And the woman goes on and says, you know, I keep hoping that every time somebody asks me about it, it'll get easier. And this is why I say everything that Elaine says is like a record scratch because the woman says that. And truthfully, the way I hear that sort of feels like it could have been the end of the conversation. And we could have said, okay, well, have a nice day, ma'am. But we didn't. Elaine goes, why not take it down? What the fuck? (laughs) And she wants to sell it. Right. The woman does say that she says, because I don't want to keep it. So she would rather sell it. Which, like, good on this woman, but I just feel like Elaine's like, so you know how you, like, opened up a little piece of your soul there, ma'am, who we do not know? Can I please pick it? (laughs) Jesus. Why not take it down? Because I'd like to sell it, lady. Um... So that's awkward. And then, like, sidebar, Feyre suddenly, for, like, never thought about it before, but now suddenly is like, I could use my Daymati powers to make her feel better by, like, her brain, right? And then she's like, yeah, I guess I would be wrong. Guess I won't do that. And the only reason this stood out to me is weird is because it's like, like, I don't know why we just suddenly remembered that was an option and then talked ourselves out of it. But then I also was like, oh, wait. There's an entire book with a main character who can and does do that. And it's called uh, From Blood Nash. And that's a different series. <laughs> so if you want to know what happens if a character does do that, go read those books. Still a good series, though. It is. But I just thought it was funny because Faye was like, I can't possibly do that. I'm like, wow, that does not cross this other woman's mind. <laughs> yeah. Go get him, yeah. Poppy. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so again, we could probably just leave this poor, sad weaver woman alone, but Elaine has to ask about the silver thread. Uh, She wants to know what it's called, and this woman is clearly an artist, and her answer is, I call it hope, which is, I think, really sweet. But Feyre is now on, like, an internal, like, nosedive, right? She's, like, spiraling, because now she's like, it could have been me and Reese had very nearly gone that way. 
Yet he had lived and the weaver's husband had not. We had lived and their story had ended. She did not have a piece of him left, at least not in the way she wished. I was lucky, so tremendously lucky to even be complaining about shopping for my mate. And then she goes on to just continue thinking like, you know, she didn't really understand this holiday before. Like she didn't understand any holiday because they didn't have any. And this whole shopping for presents thing seemed like a little much, but now she like kind of sees a new appreciation for it. Right. She just kind of finishes that thought, reminding herself, like kind of like bringing it all together for herself in her head. And she says the impossible depth of blackness before me, the unlikely defiance of hope shining through it whispered the truth before I knew it, before I knew what I wanted to give Reese. The weaver's husband had not come home, but mine had. Y'all, if you can't figure out where this is going, then I'm a little worried. <laughs> but anyway. Hmm, let me think. Right. She's buying him a car. Yes, definitely. Um, a puppy. Um, <laughs> a big puppy. <laughs> Anyway, um, she obviously has been thinking very hard. She is in La La Land doing so. And Elaine kind of calls her out like, hey, Feyre, snap out of it. And then as soon as she says her name, the shopkeeper realizes like who this is. And so she kind of like bows her head, you know, it feels a little wonky, I think, for telling her life story. Feyre just asks her like, how do you keep creating despite what you lost? And the woman responds, I have to, which I love. Yes. Um, she says, I have to create, or it was all for nothing. I have to create, or I will crumple up with despair and never leave my bed. I have to create because I have no other way of voicing this. And her hands rest on her heart and she's about to cry. And she says, it is hard and it hurts. But if I were to stop, if I were to let this, if I were to let this loom or the spindle go silent, then there would be no hope shining in the void. And I she's just, gone. I... I love that. And that is not like the kick in the head you were expecting from this book, from everything up to this point. No. And can I just say, like, as a costumer, as a fabric nerd, I want a piece of this fabric with. Oh, for sure. With that, the, the you know, I want a piece of the void with the hope running through it. Like, I yeah. really, 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 really do. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. And I think, I think it's interesting too, because it probably speaks to anybody who is a creator of things. You know what I mean? Like, I think we've all had that moment where you push through and you keep going because, well, what other option is there? I know you and I both had that. Yeah. (laughs) And, And just for everybody's reference, like I know we've had that one with this podcast because this is definitely a creative expression for both of us. But Kelsey and I are both artists in our own way as well. And we're very creative and crafty and, and we both have an art degree. And so we're, and so we both, I know for a fact, I know I have that need to create that drive within me to create and make something. And I know Kelsey does too at times. And it's something we sometimes struggle with because we're both like, oh my gosh, I have to, I have to do this. I have to express Mm -hmm. myself. Yeah. And so, I love this chapter. I think in that, in many ways, it's become one of my favorite chapters because it really, it explains so much about the artist that Feyre is. Yeah, no, definitely. And I, uh, like I was making jokes about, I wonder what what Feyre's thinking. Um, But I kind of make that lightly because actually like that, that sudden kick in the head that she gets where she's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Like we survived and other people didn't. 
I think is really important because again, we'll discuss this, you know, when we discuss the chapters towards the end of this book, I think her character arc gets a bad rap for the decision she ends up ultimately making. But this is the, like, this is the moment why she makes those decisions because she suddenly realizes what I think a lot of us at some point realize, which is life cannot be, Pushing, 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 going 100 miles a minute all the time. At some point, you have to stop and actually, like, smell the roses and be where you are. Yes. Because if you never look back and think, wow, look at all of what I just did. Like, look at everything I accomplished. If you never do that, then what the hell is the point? Exactly. And so she just suddenly realized that she and Reese have been doing that. Like they, they, they survived everything in Akawar and they have not stopped since. And suddenly this woman is kind of making her stop and be like, wait a minute. Like I should just take a minute to be happy that like we're here and be like thankful that we made it. Not worrying about what our next step is all the time. So anyway, I, so all of that uh, ultimately favor does of course buy the tapestry and we get a snowflake. She has purchased it, wrapped up in a bag. <laughs> uh, I guess it's getting delivered later in the afternoon. And um, she decided that that's just a gift for her, which I think is nice. And I don't know that she would have, and like, in fairness, I don't know if she would have bought it if Elaine hadn't said what she'd said at breakfast. I agree. Like when they first started shopping. So I think that's cute. Elaine, like they continue shopping. Elaine goes off and does her own thing. And she winnows into the studio uh, where she has left all of her things. And she's decided that she needs to paint. She wants to paint the feeling of the Weaver's story. She, she dives in um, only to like get caught in the middle <laughs> by Rosina, who's kind of like, well, you never came to my shop the other day, so I kind of thought maybe you'd be here. And it's like, womp, womp. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, favorite kind of tries to apologize. And the woman's like, no, man, like, it's all good. I was just kind of joking with you. And um, she's like, by the way, like, you remember you're in Paulina's family's place? Yeah. Um, they haven't discussed selling, but I don't think they're coming back. So you may want to consider just like buying this place from them if you want to like, you know, keep squatting here and painting. And <laughs> she's like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't know about all that. And she's like, look, I'm pretty sure the family would just be glad to know that like somebody's using the place. Uh, and honestly, I think like Polina would have liked you. And so yeah she was like okay well this has been nice and awkward i'll be going now <laughs> and she yeah and she goes to start collecting all of her stuff and rest is like no you can leave those you know she's like are you sure like it's not my place and she's like trust me like not that big a deal <laughs> like it's gonna be okay and so they kind of leave it at that with favor like maybe i'll consider what she said and whatever and she's like, okay, well, happy solstice. And Feyre says, you too. And then she awkwardly, like, quickly winnows out onto the street and slams right into Reese. <laughs> you okay? Watch where you're going, lady. Yeah, he's, like, going somewhere. <laughs> and she's like, ah. Uh, and he's like, why are you running out of an abandoned gallery as if you've stolen something? <laughs> And, uh, yeah, so it's just awkward. She has to kind of be like, okay, well, like, that's where I've been painting. And he's like, yo, like, you remember we're rich, right? Like, I can buy you a studio. 
you don't have to like work in the alleyway, ma'am. And she's like, no, no, like I like it. He's like, is it because you like being alone? Because like I said, like we can find you someplace to paint alone. <laughs> and she just says like, no, it's like about the feel of the place. And then she finally kind of like mulls it over in her head. And I have to laugh because I think sometimes Feyre probably talks to Reese a little like I talk to my husband, which is like, sometimes I get a creative idea and it mulls around in my head for like three days. And then finally I'm like, I'm gonna say the words out loud and I'm gonna see if they sound as stupid as I think they're about to. And I say them and I think he's gonna be like, yeah, that was dumb. Don't ever say that again. (laughs) But usually he's like, no, that makes sense. And I'm like, really? (laughs) Like, cause I just spent three days thinking it didn't. Um, And cause she's kind of like, do you think it's stupid to wonder if painting might help others too? Not my paintings, I mean, but teaching others to paint, letting them paint people who might struggle the same way I do. And he's like, no, I don't think that's stupid at all. And so (laughs) she's like, oh, okay, because I was sure it was stupid. Um, (laughs) She's clearly like, huh, that's nice. And she says, you know, she kind of continues being like, you know, maybe it could do some other people some good. And I just think this is cute the way it like is written. So it says he remained quiet, offering me that companionship that demanded nothing Ask nothing as I kept stroking his face. He asked, we had been mating for less than a year. If things had not gone well during that final battle, how many regrets would have consumed me? I knew, knew which ones would have hit the hardest, struck the deepest, knew which ones were in my power to change. And so she, like, he's just kept his mouth shut. He's like, like, it's up to you. Like, if that's something you want to do, then that's what you want to do. And so she says, do you think anyone would come if such a space or such a thing existed? And he says, you'll have to see, I suppose, which I think is like a fair statement. He's like, I don't know, but it's worth a shot. (laughs) So I also think, you know, she's underestimating herself. Right. Well, and I also think it's the same thing. Like a lot of times when I say stuff to Justin, it's that like, you think you sound crazy because you assume other people don't think like you or don't have the same problems you have like you tend to think like I'm the only one dumb enough to have this problem or whatever right right. saying it out loud that somebody else has to be like no think that's a common thing (laughs) so I think that's part of it she's like do you think that's like a thing and he's like yeah probably like yes I do um, which I just, I don't know. I thought the whole thing was cute, but then for some weird reason, we get a snowflake instead of a chapter break, because this part has nothing to do with anything else we've read. Random. Yeah. Um, I swear stuff just got edited out and, and they should have put a chapter number here and they didn't. And then they ended up with snowflake and they were like, live with it. Um, <laughs> goes to Amarin's place and Amarin is doing a jigsaw puzzle. All right. And Feyre's like, so where's Varian? And she's like, out buying more presents for me. (laughs) Feyre's like, more? And she says, he decided the ones he brought from the summer court were not enough. (laughs) Which cracks me up. It cracks me up. It cracks me up because 
if we get the TV show, because we already kind of see it in the books, and they can do whatever they want with the TV show, obviously, but, like, I sort of feel like Varian's character is going to be fascinating, because he's going to be one of these characters that gets cast pretty early on, and he's just, like, kind of in the background a lot, but, like, never talks. And this is going to be one of those times where it's, like, we've seen him, but he just, like, nods in the background, and then he leaves. So you're like, yeah, he made it to town, but, like, nobody's fucking talked to this guy, right? And so then she's like, yeah, he's like, I'll find me more presents. And you're like, okay, did he, like, tell you that? Like, does he speak? Like, because <laughs> this man, like, never talks, right? The strong, so, silent type. Right, so I just think it'll be funny if they kind of keep that, because Amron's like, he says he's off by me more presents, and it's like, really? He said that, or he just disappeared, so you guessed? Like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we never know. Yeah. So anyway, Farrah's like, okay, not touching that one with a 10-foot pole. Y'all are weird. And so she's like, you know, so about your jigsaw puzzle, what, what, what? And (laughs) Amran's like, oh, yeah, like, basically, I needed something to do to take up that part of my brain after I didn't have to do that bullshit with the book anymore. And Farrah's like, oh, okay, I guess that sort of makes sense. And then Amran drops on her, yeah, this is my fifth puzzle this week. And she's like, Amran, it's only been three days. So she does puzzles like Kim Reads. And <laughs> Okay, like that's not embarrassing or anything. I want you to know, since I've been doing summer camp, I haven't been reading anywhere near as much. Well, that makes me feel better about, like, I'm over here, like, real proud because I've, like, I'm about to hit, like, 20 books this year and we're only, like, a little over halfway through the year and I'm like, cool beans! And Kim's like, I hit 20 books January 3rd anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah. She's I got over 25 in my Nook. I mean, in my Kindle. Cool. Um, maybe I'll just make my goal to beat your Kindle. Anyway. <laughs> Is Amron's been doing a bunch of puzzles and Amron admits like yeah I've been hunched over this one for a while so like good for the mind bad for the posture which I thought was funny um and it's really just an excuse for Feyre to say the only like dirty thing Feyre ever says so she's like good thing you have Varian to exercise with <laughs> and I feel like Feyre is very proud of herself in that moment and Amron's just like wow I'm glad I set you up for that one you must feel pretty good about yourself <laughs> but I I like one of the things I like about this, Amara's like, yeah, they don't make puzzles hard enough for me. I know. Well, they don't publish enough books each week for Kim. <laughs> so, haha, Feyre made a dirty joke. Good for her. Um, but then she admits why she's here. Uh, she wants to talk about Nesta. And Amara's like, yeah, duh. And she's like, have you spoken to her? And she says, yeah. Like, she comes here every few days. And Feyre's like, wait, what? Like, what are you talking about? Like, she doesn't come visit us. And then she was like, yeah, nobody likes the House of Wind. And the townhouse is too cramped and shit. Like, of course she doesn't come visit you. And so she's like, okay, fine. Like, well, then Amron, since you are the Nesta speaker, like, I was hoping maybe you'd have some insight into, like, why she's being such a bitch. Right? <laughs> That's basically what she says. Amron's response is interesting. She says, I like your sister. I like her because so few do. I like her because she is not easy to be around or to understand. And she just finishes there. And Feyre is like, uh-huh. 
And she's like, yeah, because I like her, I'm not inclined to gossip about her or her current state. Which is kind of pisses Favor off because Favor is like, I'm not trying to like gossip. I just like want to know what's going on with my sister. Like, I think she's starting down a bad path. Like, I think she's going through something, blah, blah, blah. And Amber's like, look, like that all may be true, but like, I'm not going to betray her conf- like her confidence in like our discussions by telling you what she's going through. If she doesn't want to tell you, then I'm not going to tell you. I kind of like how Amron throws in her face a little bit. And she says like, no, I know she would not like me to be musing over her path with anyone with you. And she says, but give her time, give her space, give her the opportunity to sort through this on her own. Feyre is like, but it's been months. And I think the most important thing Amron reminds her is she's an immortal. Months are inconsequential. Yep. And I think that that's, like, the part that, like, I think readers struggle with with all of them. I think that's something that, like, feels at odds sometimes with, like, the speed of the books when you think of, like, the overall, like, timeline, you know? Like, I think because things have moved so fast, we all kind of are like, yeah, so everything should move fast. And it's like, right, remember what the Weaver said? Like, she thought she and her husband were going to have another thousand years and they'd already had 300 these numbers are insane so yeah what is six months a year hell what is five years of nesta like not even talking to you that is the equivalent of somebody like not talking to their dad while they're at college for a semester like you know what i mean like it feels like a lot because they have something to compare it to because they were previously human right that's the only reason this is bothering the three girls so much because they have something to compare it to yeah most fade don't they have no idea yeah so i just thought that was interesting and basically it ends with um Feyre being like you know uh if she visits you can you tell her that like it would mean a lot to us if she came to solstice and amron says i make no promises girl which is amron for basically like yeah as long as it's not gonna set her off i'll tell her (laughs) true yeah and and Farrah admits, like, that's the best she could have hoped for out of Amarin. Like, <laughs> what did she think was going to happen? <laughs> I think she, I do think Farrah approached it wrong with Amarin trying to get information out of Amarin. Because there's right. no way Amarin is going to do that. Exactly. Like, and Amarin doesn't do anything Amarin doesn't want to do either. So even asking her to ask Nesta that wasn't going to go very well. Which is why I think Amron, to me, why Amron is such a fascinating character. Because the thing is, is I think it's really easy to be like, oh, Amron's so cold. Amron's such a bitch. And like, I know some, like, she does some questionable shit. I mean, like I said, the first time you read Akawar, you were like, is this bitch evil? (laughs) (laughs) I get it. (laughs) But I just think that like, when we think about how like, the Fae have a different outlook on time, for example, than like Feyre, Nesta, and Elaine do. I think Amran has a different outlook on everything than even the Fae do because she was something else entirely before. Exactly. And so I think she looks at it as like, hey, yeah, you know, the Fae think time is inconsequential. So like, stop, ch- like, chill out. If Nesta takes six months to talk to you, it's not that big a deal. But then on top of that, I think she would even look at things that like Reese or Moore or any of them say and just be like, nah, dude, like even that is inconsequential in the grand scheme of like things on the planet. I agree. However, where you're saying this is, this is Amron and, you know, she respects that and how Amron's like, you know, it's time is inconsequential and, and, and all of that. 
put a pin in it. It's going to come back and you're going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Like I actually am not as much of a fan of Amarin as I used to be because of it. Yeah. But that's, I think what I'm saying in a way though, which is to her, it's like, she's going to do like, I guess that's what I'm trying to say is she's going to end up doing things that piss people off because she literally like what there are people in the world who will be like, I do what I want. Cause I don't give a shit what anybody thinks. Okay. But like you do though, like you are just saying that on some level you do. Amlin like literally doesn't. Therefore she literally does not care if she like completely pisses everybody off. You know what I mean? Yep. So, like, I think that's kind of where I'm saying, like, it's interesting because she can kind of give perspective that other people can't because of that. On the other hand, it's also, like, kind of having, like, a loaded gun just, like, chilling because, like I said, she don't give a shit. So, yeah, should be a good time. But anyway, that's the end of the chapter. So, chapter 16, we're back in Reese's head. Yeah, Reese's Pieces and I are having a time. Um, So, it is Solstice Eve, for the record. I want everyone to know that. The crazy decorating drinking party was um, Solstice Eve. 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 This is Solstice Eve, aka Christmas Eve, and in, in, sure. in our terminology here. Sure. At the townhouse, and he's with Asriel and Cassian in a bedroom that the boys are going to have to share. Sure. And the first question is, you brought weapons to Solstice, <laughs> meaning Cassian did. <laughs> Right. Well, it's Cassian. To which Cassian, it's like, yeah, well, some of them might be presents. It's like, are they though? Yeah. I like how he explains it. The females bring their jewelry. I bring weapons. <laughs> like, okay, dude, whatever. I like how Reese is like, yeah, say that again so the women can hear you. <laughs> like, yeah, I know a few females in the house who might take offense to that. Yeah, like, try again, buddy. <laughs> i.e. I. Feyre. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We know how much she cares about jewelry. Right. Um, it was just kind of comical. And of course, then Az is like, I've, I've never stayed in this room. Ian has a really interesting observation and he goes, well, that's because you and I have been shoved to the bottom of the ladder, brother. Moore gets the good bedroom. Elaine is living in the other, so we get this one. And Reese is like, look, it's better than the attic. Cassie is like, poor Lucian. <laughs> In fairness, they gave Lucian the attic because they don't know if he's coming or not, so he may not even need it. Right. right. Uh, they Cassie wants to try to make a wager on whether Cass, uh, Lucian will show up, and, and as shuts it down, he's like, no. He's like, would you want people betting on you? And Cassie does make a valid point. He's like, you assholes bet on me all the time. <laughs> I just so love I, I can picture him like yelling, but like not yelling bad, just yelling like, You assholes bet on me all the time. I remember the last one you did. You and more making wagers about whether my wings would heal. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> Don't feed me that bullshit. <laughs> so as so Reese it fills Azrael in on the meeting with the commanders that said it went as well as could be expected. That Devin actually did have a schedule drawn up for the girls to to get training whenever the storm blows out. Right. And he doesn't think it was for show. And I love Azrael's response to that. 
I'd still be surprised if they remember once the storm clears. Tell me how you feel about that, Azriel. I know, Reese is like, please just let me have this win for 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're still talking about it, and, and you know, Reese is going down the mental path of the Illyrians and if they were to revolt and how that would affect him and how it would affect Cassian. And it it definitely is something he is not up for dealing with mentally right now. So he's like, later after Solstice, we'll deal with it then. And Cassian is looking down at this bed that he's been given to sleep in. And he's like, who used this bed anyway? It's Amarin sized. <laughs> And then, you know, Reese is like, look, I, careful how you talk, because Pharaoh calls us Illyrian babies enough. We don't need to add to that. You know, it's... Right. it's whole... <laughs> and then Asriel is like, well, her flying has improved enough that I think she's entitled to do so. Yeah. Snaps to, to Az for that. I know. And anyway... Reese tells Cassian, well, I can see about finding you two um, longer beds. And then he's thinking, but, you know, it's Solstice Eve, and that would be a miracle. And he'd pretty much have to turn the city of Alaris upside down and inside out to find a bed. Right. And Cassian's finally like, look, no need. It's better than the couch that he slept on last night because he was too drunk to even come upstairs to this room. Right, right. But again, so I, I just think it's a... He's a clue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then then Az is like, because Reese is like, look, I can take you up to the House of Wind. And Cass is like, dude, that's boring. Az sneaks off into shadows and I'm left all alone. Boo-hoo. I don't think that's entirely true, by the way. And then you have the whole, you know, then then Reese is like, he says to Cassie, he goes, well, you know, you could get a place of your own. And, Reese, and Cassie is like, look, I have one in Illyria. And Reese is like, no, 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 no. Here, in Valaris, you could get a place of your own in Valaris. And he's like, I don't need a house. I just need a room. <laughs> this one would be fine if it didn't have a doll's bed. <laughs> I know. I just love that. I think it's one of the funniest lines I'd ever, ever heard. Yeah, this one would be fine if it didn't have a doll's bed. Like, <laughs> and of course Reese is biting his tongue because he's like, his suggestion that he might want a place of his own and soon. He's not going to say it, but he's thinking, Cassie, and you might want your own place really sooner rather than okay, later. Okay, really, he's thinking. I want you to have your own place. <laughs> Please don't use mine. <laughs> Though he understands that nothing is happening <clears throat> on that front, not anytime soon. So who knows? And then he teases Cassian, perhaps that'll be your solstice present, a new bed. <laughs> so I, I think it's funny. And As is like, well, that's better than Morse presents. So, again, yet another reference to how bad more shopping really is for people. Really, really is, yeah. But we get a snowflake, and when we come back, we have all settled in and changed into our Solstice Eve finery. Yeah. 
and they're all gathered in the family room, sitting room, study room, whatever it is that they call it there. Place where they chill when they're not eating. Exactly. And I I love the description. Solstice Eve had finally settled upon Valaris, quieting the thrum that had pulsed through the city for the past few weeks, as if everyone paused to listen to the falling snow. It makes me think of White Christmas by Bing Crosby. I know you said we needed it earlier, but this is where it strikes me as being so (laughs) Um, And then he says, we gathered in the sitting room, the fire crackling, wine opened and flowing. Though neither Lucian nor Nesta had shown their faces, the mood was far from somber. And Reese just can't stop looking at Feyre and getting all excited. And Amran kicks him and she's like, cool it. I don't want to smell you. I, you know, I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Because what she says is, you'll make me vomit. Rain in that scent of yours, boy. <laughs> and Reese is like, apologies. And he looks at Varian. He's like, I'm so sorry. Again, Varian's just like, mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't yep. Yep. And he just says, strange, so strange to see the Prince of Adriata here in my townhouse. Smiling. <laughs> drinking my liquor. Like, he's just, the more he's thinking about it, it's like, you can hear where this is going. Drinking my liquor, smiling. And, ooh, 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 yeah. Ooh. <laughs> this is Weird. just so, Yeah. <laughs> and then Cassie opens up his mouth about, do you even do solstice in the summer court? Well, Duh, they do, but I highly doubt winter solstice is their big one. I'm going to take a shot in the dark. Their big one is summer solstice, maybe? Maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And and, and Varian is like, yes, um, there are two solstices. We, we celebrate the summer one. And Az is like, duh, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> And everybody's pretty much telling Varian, do not engage with Cassian. He's just being a prick right now. <laughs> I just like Amran. Cassian is precisely as stupid as he looks. <laughs> and sound. I just love that. He's precisely as stupid as he looks. <laughs> yeah. But God bless Reese. He, he forged his way into the into the breach here, and he's like, I suppose your summer solstice is the same in theory as ours, I said to Varian. Though I knew the answer, I'd seen many of them long ago. Families gather, food is eaten, presents shared. And Varian nodded and says, indeed. Man of few words. (laughs) Yes. That's okay, though. Uh, So Favor finally shows up next to him, and, and you know, Decides to sit on his armchair and, and he's in his he's, bubble. <laughs> and he's all happy because she's in his bubble. And then she asks Varian, she's like, So Tarquin doesn't celebrate winter solstice at all? And Varian shakes his head. And then Pharaoh's like, Perhaps we should have invited him. I just feel like that is probably, I, I just really hope like that is delivered as her just like sitting on his armchair with her teeth gritted and a smile like, should we have invited him? <laughs> Did we fuck up? 
Well, Reese does not help this. He goes, well, there's still time. The call is yours, Prince. Poor Varian. He's like, Varian's oh, like oh. I don't want to work. <laughs> I have to think about it. You know, like, really, I, I'm saying I have to think about it, but the answer is no, I don't want, no, I don't want to no, work. No, I'm not inviting my boss to Christmas. <laughs> Even if he is my cousin. Yeah, exactly. And Moore's being, at least Moore tries to bridge the gap. No. Not very much, but she doesn't try. Got bubbles. Moore is just like every, like, every friend you've ever had at a party who's like trying to make it better, but like. Makes it a little worse. Yeah. <laughs> Where you're like, oh my god, Why? Why? Because more plops down, and as she says it, she's like, I like it just to be us anyway. Oh, and, and you, Varian. <laughs> like, oops, I forgot. Yeah, I just like that Varian just, like, nods. I, in fairness, Varian is, like, every boyfriend who's ever gone to, like, spent, like, Thanksgiving with his college girlfriend and is meeting the family for the first time. Yeah. He's just, like, silent and nodding because what else is there like he's awkward but honestly these people are weird as fuck so <laughs> he's like i walked in here thinking i was gonna embarrass myself but wow they're just embarrassing <laughs> like, <laughs> i chose this <laughs> like, <laughs> if we end up together permanently i have to marry into this <laughs> like, well, don't forget, though, that that means that Amran has to get Tarquin and Cressida. Wow. Those are some in-laws. Anyway. <laughs> There's a hmm, pick. Pick which one? I'm, I don't know. Yeah. And just as Elaine shows up and does not want to have any wine or anything, you know, she decides to join the party in the room. Farah's looking at the clock and she's like, Nesta hasn't come. You know, she's thinking this. And Reese, through their day, Madi Bond is like, but you invited her for tomorrow. Right. Chill. And she's just like, yes, okay, fine. You know, she's, she tries to move on. And Reese lifts his glass. The room quiets. And he says, to family, old and new, let the solstice festivities begin. And we all drink to that. That's the end of the chapter. So that's kind of like how he acknowledges and celebrates sure. the solstice. Sure. Chapter 17. We're back to Farah, And it's solstice morning. Which means it's her birthday! <laughs> this um, is your birthday song. It isn't very long. Basically. Uh, she wakes up with her face on something that's not a pillow or Reese, and she's like, "Da fuck!" And it turns out it's a present. <laughs> uh, Reese is all happy, happy birthday, favorite darling, and she's all, "Why are you so fucking giddy and awake? Uh, did you not drink as much as I did last night? Like what?" <laughs> uh, and the answer is no. He did not drink as much as she did, so he's fine. Uh, and she admits she kind of hoped he had forgotten her birthday, but he's like, are you joking? And <laughs> she's like, anyway, like, what's this present? I thought we were opening presents tonight. And he's like, right, this is called a birthday present, you dimwit. And <laughs> the world's going to apply to you because of that. <laughs> right. Yeah, me, 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 me. 
Yeah. She's like, okay, okay, fine. And so she opens the present and it's a sketchbook and it's all like pretty with like silver lettering for her initials on leather. And it's, you know, lovely. And she's like, oh, like it's beautiful. And then she goes to give him a kiss. And then all of a sudden out of the corner of her eye, she sees like Plop! another present. And she's like, what? <laughs> and he's like, did you think I'd really only get you a sketchbook? And it's like, actually, honestly, we all thought that. So <laughs> we were all like, wow, you really, really picked that. Okay. And uh, anyway, then he got her a blue scarf of the softest wool. And I think we all thought the same thing, which is like the fuck, why? But at least he sort of explains it. Because apparently she keeps stealing moors that's similar. So he got her her own. Okay, fine. I wonder Uh, if it's cashmere. Because cashmere is a type of wool. Could be. Could be. All I know is it's pretty and she's very happy about it. And then he, plop, another present. A third one. And she's like, wow, really? How many times are we going to do this? And he's like, I guess this is kind of the last one. And it's a uh, new, like, satchel for her painting supplies, which is cute. And he's like, yeah, like, I hope you like these. I just figured you're like, not the jewelry type. And she she says, this is exactly what I would have asked for. And he's like, had you not been hoping that your own mate would forget your birthday? She's like, okay, yeah, had I not been hoping for that. (laughs) So uh, they get kissy and then it gets kind of weird because... (laughs) She decides that she wants to spend her birthday morning drawing him in his nakedness. And so she do. Um, It's cute. Also, like, okay. (laughs) Uh, Then we get a snowflake. Anyway, I can only assume how that went. She drew him for hours, okay? She basically filled half her sketchbook already, okay? Um is what it is it's like 11 a.m we're just now leaving the bedroom so do with that what you will and goes into the dining room breakfast is there nobody else has woken up so this is officially brunch i really hope the ghosty girls did not wake up early to make this uh or it was a waste of time (laughs) and reese and favor sit down and after a few minutes as and cas cassian do join them they um yeah they they you know pro- i don't know if they made it to their room or not um, <laughs> after pitching about their doll beds i don't know if they used them or not <laughs> i don't know but the important part is they show up and they're just like tee hee hee and favors like this can't be good <laughs> And they basically haul Reese off. And she's just like, please bring him back in one piece. And Cassian says, we'll take good care of him. And Az just throws in, if he can keep up. And at this point, she's like, wait a minute. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) Like, I thought we were doing a bit. Is this not a bit? Like, what is happening? (laughs) And And the only answer is tradition. I know. Reese is just like, tradition, shrugs. And she's like, that does not give me nearly enough detail. Uh, so she's like, okay, well, that's great. So now she's just like eaten alone. <laughs> like, oh, uh, they remembered her birthday. Yeah, Reese does tell her like down the bond, like, don't worry, like they didn't like kidnap me. It's gonna be fine. 
uh, I'll be back for dinner, obviously. And she was like, for dinner? I'm like, what the fuck? Like, where are you going to be for hours? Um, but it is what it is. And so she's like, all right, fine, whatever. And so she decides to spend the next few minutes looking at their... <laughs> okay, like, yeah, this is what I do on, like, Christmas. I sit there and I balance my checkbook. <laughs> Yeah, she basically decides to look at their accounts while she's just sitting there eating breakfast by herself. And I guess, I guess the point of that is she just, I don't, I don't know. I guess she's just trying to determine, like, yeah, he said I could, like, have a studio, but, like, could I? And the answer is, like, yes, because how many times do we have to explain to you that you're richer than God? Anyway... She eventually decides to stop doing that because, you know, it's Christmas and it's not like she can go buy a studio today. And so she finds herself in the kitchen and she sees that Elaine has been like decorating some cookies or like helping with some cookies and some pastries and all sorts of little pies and stuff. And she's like, ooh, those look pretty. And so she tries one of the tarts and uh, she's like, wow, like these are amazing. Like how long have you guys been working on these? And she's like, oh, since dawn, Noella and Caridwin uh, were up even earlier than me. Like we've just been baking, 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 <laughs> which like I can relate. That's like one of my favorite parts of Christmas. Yep, yep, yep. Mine too. But then Feyre has to like ruin this. <laughs> like favorite hobby um because then she's like so like have you heard from nesta or i guess elaine asks if she's heard from nesta and and like i said fair is just like a really uh she's just like really good at ruining the mood because she's just kind of like nope and i think i pissed her off <laughs> like i don't think it went well and uh, before she can really get any words out that aren't just like, eh, uh, there's a knock on the door and it's like, mm, something tells me this is not a speak of the devil moment. This may not be Nesta. Um, surprise, it's Lucian. Yeah, so all the excitement that they had running to the door. Yeah. Bucket of cold water, man. Yeah, it's, it's, it's Lucian. And that's the end of chapter 17. <laughs> Happy solstice. Yeah. Which is what Lucian says when she opens yeah. the door. <laughs> that's what I have to say to that, because that's all you're hearing. Right. So chapter 18 literally just picks up where the uh, bomb got dropped on 17. So Pharaoh <laughs> like literally has like the textbooks response to like answering a door and it's somebody you didn't really plan on talking to. She's just like, you look well. <laughs> Why didn't she <laughs> introduce that she thought he was down with Tamlin? Right. She's like, what? And he is not much better. He's just like you as well. And then realizes Elaine is there and is like, both of you. <laughs> like wow everybody's awkward is awkward no yeah exactly yeah i'm glad you got it Feyre can't stop being awkward and is just like uh, awkward silence awkward silence you can come in awkward silence you brought presents i see and he's like that's the tradition here right and she's like, yeah, do you need to stay here? You can. And he's like, nope, I will not be doing that. 
Um, I don't know if you've ever seen an Elise Myers video on TikTok or Instagram. She cracked me up and I just sort of picture this conversation like every delivery she's ever had when she is relaying how she's had a conversation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, basically, she's just like, uh, like Fair's like thinking, I hope he doesn't notice that when I asked if he wanted to stay, Elaine looked like pissed as hell. And then when he said he won't be staying, Elaine looked really relieved. I hope he didn't notice because that may be construed as rude. And it's like, yeah, mm -hmm, that's great. So she tries to like carry on the conversation. So where are you going? Where have you been? <laughs> and he's like, I've been at the spring court uh, sometimes and other times, you know, like I'm here in Valaris. And when I'm not, I'm usually with Jureen and Vasa. And she's like, really? Where? Like, what? <laughs> and he says, there's an old banner house in the southeast in the humans' territory. Jurian and Vasa were gifted it. Okay, well, you just started a whole thing because you gave the most awkward delivery. But okay, yeah, thank you for sharing. She did ask, like, what you've been up to. You did answer. Yeah. And she kind of... Yeah, she kind of just, like, beats around the bush. She's like, yeah, like, I guess Reese mentioned that they're, like, still around doing shit. And uh, he's like, yeah, for now, like, while everything's still being, you know, pile of shit, basically. <laughs> and so they just kind of keep awkwardly talking. She's just sitting there like, okay, I'm here. Yeah. They're having, like, world's worst conversation. She's kind of like, so, like, how... Are Jurian and Vasa then? And he's like, well, Jurian, like, you know, he's like keeping stuff going and he probably would have been crowned king by now if Vasa wasn't there, like, being a queen. <laughs> yeah. And she's good, you know, while she's temporarily free. And, like, nobody is questioning this. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> wants to go what are you hiding right like okay the problem is is lucian's giving really sketchy ass answers but Feyre is also asking sketchy ass questions like i don't know i don't know why her delivery is just so like so like how are jerry and advasa i don't really want to know but i guess i have to ask like Okay, then don't ask or do and just fucking wait for the answer. Like, why? <laughs> I think part of it is because Elaine is there. And so any conversation that they would normally have had between the two of them, they can't have because Elaine is there. Okay, but like, I can't even fathom what that would look like. Oh <laughs> I, I understand. I'm just saying. I, I sort of get that, except for the fact that, like, what conversation... I guess that's what I can't wrap my head around. I can't understand, like, the two of them are beating around the bush, at, at, presumably because Elaine is there. What the fuck would they be talking about that they don't want Elaine to hear? I, I swear to God they would just be having the same conversation anyway, so, like, stop being so weird about it. <laughs> I think it's because he is Elaine's mate, and she doesn't want to overstep that, that line. <laughs> hold on hold on hear me out because remember she's not that long mated to resand yeah but like she doesn't talk to cassian and asriel like she's never been in a room with a man before <laughs> no but as far as she knows neither one of them has a mate neither one of them has a mate that is her sister 
the I mean, I guess I get it, but I don't because I guess I guess what I'm saying is is like that to me reads as Feyre being like like I don't understand what the concern would be. You're not going to offend Elaine because Elaine doesn't want to fuck all to do with him. You know what I, I mean? Know. Like, I what's there to offend? I mean, I sort of get like now that you're saying it. Like, I guess I sort of get that if we had different. Like, I guess if I felt like there was fucking anything there and she just felt like an awkward third wheel. But like, what is she third wheeling? Her sister literally wants to leave the room. <laughs> and the irony in it is nobody's stopping her. Right. So I don't know. This whole thing is just awkward and uncomfortable. And like, you know what? Actually like credit to Sarah J. Mass for writing something that makes me go. <laughs> yeah, very much. There, I mean, welcome to the family, the, to the awkward family part of uh, Christmas. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah, I don't know. Something about this is just like so uncomfortable. Um, but anyway, so he's just trying to answer her questions without being too awkward, but he's really failing on that account. And Feyre asks the fucking weirdest question. And that's when I'm like, I really feel like we missed something in this. I don't know if something got edited out or if I'm supposed to know. I don't know. Cause then Feyre's just like, so she and Jurian are getting along? Vasa and Jurian? I mean, I guess so. Obviously, Lucian's not like, hey, by the way, Vasa and Jurian started a war. Like, yeah. They, last I checked, they were on the same side of the Highburn situation. So what the fuck is the problem? Yeah, but Lucian's response is interesting. It says a lot about Vasa and Jurian. Yeah, he just says they're two sides of the same coin. Uh, and that, like, luckily they are on the same side. They're just not always on the same page about how to attain that. But, like, on that argument, like, Cassian and Reese and Moore aren't always on the same side of how to accomplish something. I know. I just think she's trying to, to sound like she's interested in things that he's doing. Yeah, but instead, the way it comes I'll off is, like, yeah, it comes off uh, kind of accusatory. I know. Just... Which uh, only continues to get worse. It's very annoying. Because um, he kind of says that. He's like, yeah, Vass and Jurian are like, you know, they're fine. I mean, yeah, sometimes they like aren't, but mostly they're fine. But this isn't very Solstice-like talk. Which, like, I guess that's why I'm frustrated is because I feel bad for Lucian, who, like, packed his bags and came here for a holiday, and now you're treating him like you don't want him here, but technically he was invited. So that's, I think, why I'm irritated with the whole thing. But anyway, yeah. Elaine uses this moment to be like, I guess I'll just go get us some drinks, okay? Like, I'll be back. And so she finally leaves the room. I don't know why she didn't, like, leave earlier, but whatever. She finally is like, I'm out of here. Uh, and so he asks, like, how is she? And she says better. And Fair says better. She makes no mention of her abilities if they remain. And he's like, cool. So does she still, like, feel bad about that whole Grayson thing? <laughs> and I think this is the, admittedly, this is the flaw in Elaine. This is, like, one of the major flaws in Elaine that's, like, a, kind of a writing flaw. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's because we know for a fact that, like, Grayson 
and his dad, not great people. We also know that she like didn't even know Grayson for very long because we know in the timeline when she would have had the opportunity to meet Grayson. And it's like, she has known Grayson even less time than Farrah knew Reese. Okay. And Farrah's response to Lucian is she was deeply in love with him. (laughs) Was she though? I mean, I know that we are led to believe that. I understand that that is a like choice that was made for this character. But, like, how in love with somebody can you be who's, like, a complete asshole, whose father is a complete asshole, who, like, would have burned your sister's body on a stake if they knew who she was when she was Faye and, like, you weren't yet, you know? Like, what the fuck? And then also, like, I don't think you even really knew him then. Like, you've known him for, like, 12 minutes. Like, I agree. I mean, it's so weird. The entire time you were engaged, basically your entire engagement... You were Faye and hiding from him so he wouldn't find out. What the fuck? (laughs) And I think what I find annoying about that is it would be one thing if Elaine was like, sure, like she was in love with him. Okay, fine. That's a thing. Like sometimes like you can't see the forest for the trees because that's like you live in it. But I feel like Feyre should have been like, ah, there's just like some deeper shit going on there that's not necessarily Grayson related. (laughs) In which case her response to Lucian should have been like, no, but I think it has more to do with having to deal with like her feyness and less to do with Grayson per se. That would have been a legitimate response. But for Feyre to latch on and be like, no, Lucian, she was deeply in love with him. What the fuck? (laughs) Like, you've been drinking the Kool-Aid? Like... (laughs) I don't know. Seems weird to me. But then Feyre does kind of uh, give Lucian the advice that she recently got from Amrin. <laughs> she recycles that information. And it's like, it's only been a few months. <laughs> and Lucian's like, yeah, but the thing that's so stupid is that, like, he definitely, like, does not miss her at all. Like, he's not losing sleep over her. So, like, that sucks that she's so upset, right? And I'm like, at like, is a fair assessment of the situation. Feyre still goes back to, like, okay, but remember, they were engaged. You need to give her time to, like, accept what happened. And Feyre is, I don't think this is what Feyre meant. She's just like, you just have to give her time to accept it. I think she thought she was saying what Amran said. You know what I mean? Like, this is a bad game of telephone. She's like, you just have to give her time. Okay, that's sort of what Amran said. You have to give her time to accept it. Okay, again, sort of what Amran said, but please remember the delivery matters. Because then Lucian's like, accept a life shackle to me, you mean. And she's like, oh, not what I meant. <laughs> and Lucian's like, she wants nothing to do with me. Like, she just basically fled this room in her first opportunity, Feyre. Like, did you miss that? And Feyre's like, well, like, how would you feel if the roles were reversed? And he's just looking at her like, there's no earth on which that's an option. <laughs> like, I was born a Fey. Like, I don't have this weird baggage, okay? I have other weird baggage. And so, anyway, we kind of get a weird conversation that's very uncomfortable where Feyre's kind of like, well, why don't you come stay here for some for a little while? Like, at our house, not just in Valaris, at our house. So you basically have forced proximity with her. And he's like, are you fucking kidding me? How would that possibly help the situation? And I, too, wonder why Feyre thinks that's a good idea. 
I agree. She, I, <laughs> I think she thinks she's trying to help. Here's the problem. Feyre is about as awkward as fuck when it comes to relationships. Period. True. True. Like, if Reese wasn't Reese, we wouldn't have made it this far. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think she just doesn't know how to... I guess. Yeah. I guess that is part... I, yeah. Fair. Like, if you think of, like, Akatar Feyre, damn, that bitch was awkward. Yeah. Well, we're back to being awkward. Yeah. But then she just, like, goes on this, like, really weird side tangent that, like, I just... Okay, like, this book does a lot of interesting things. It gives us a lot of interesting background. It gives us, like, some little hints for things that might come up later. It gives us some good characterization. But this chunk, I have no idea what the fuck we're trying to accomplish. I do not understand what this section does. I'm with you. Believe it or not, I I totally agree. It, It feels very awkward. I know... We get plot point information for later, but but this delivery is whack as fuck. It's very awkwardly done. Yeah, uncomfortably awkwardly done. Yeah, like makes you kind of want to smack Fair around a little bit. Yeah, so (laughs) she all of a sudden goes off on this side like quest where she's like well like i'm just saying like when you rented an apartment like i thought you were gonna like come work here like with us as our human emissary and he's like the fuck you think i've been doing pharah like why do you think i meet twice a week with as to give him an update like what the fuck are you talking about and she's like no but you could come live here is what i'm saying like stay in Valaris for more than a few days at a time like we could get you a nicer house and he's like I don't need you to get me a nicer house. That would just be fucking weird. And she's like, oh, but you're staying with Jurian and Vassal. And he's like, right. Because I actually like those two fucking people. <laughs> and then she has the hard realization that he was actually friends with them. Okay. But the part I don't understand is why is this a hard realization? <laughs> This is, and I guess this is why I'm like, this part is so annoying. Because why is she like so upset that Lucian went off and basically found friends when at the beginning of Akamath, the only two people in the world Lucian gives a fuck about are Tamlin and Feyre, and Feyre leaves and finds a whole new family of people. Exactly. What does she want him to do? I know he's hurt and angry with her still. Right. So what does she want him to do? I don't know. I just think it's weird as hell. Because then she goes off on this whole thing where she's like, so you'd rather stay with them? And he's like, I'm not staying with them. This is not like a staying with them thing. That manor house is like ours. We all live there. Like basically, this is what I think is interesting. She gets like all uptight and upset about this. Like, oh my God, he found a family who's not my family, which is weird as hell. But I feel like what he's actually saying, if you think about it, is like, yeah, yeah, we're friends. But basically what he just said is, Nah, bitch, I live there. Those are my roommates. That is my house. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, he loves them like he loves roommates. Like, he's not saying, like, I'm going to forsake all of you and never talk to you again because these are my only two true friends. No, he's just like, look, we get along. We have a nice place to live. It works. I'm happy. I pay the rent every Tuesday. It's easy. (laughs) (laughs) Rent's due Tuesday. Trash comes Friday. Like... (laughs) It's convenient for me. Like, 
Also, if he's the emissary, wouldn't he be gone a lot anyway? Like, wasn't that even, like, his fucking job in the spring court? Yeah. It's like, wasn't he gone? Anyway, I don't know. Very weird. Very weird. Because then she's just like, interesting. And he's like, what? It's like, you sound like a crazy lady. And then uh, she's like, you now feel more comfortable with humans than with high like, did I enter the fucking Twilight Zone? Like, Lucian's like, what are you talking about? He's like, she said, like, if you ask me, he's like, I'm not crazy, bitch. <laughs> she says, it seems like you've decided to fall in with two people without homes of their own as well. That's Again, called, like, we don't want to be homeless, therefore we are now roommates. Three of us, one house. Like, split the rent three ways. Like, I don't... I mean, yeah, but, you know, it sounds like she's so jealous, but I can't... I'm like, this is reeks of jealousy. I just figured it out. I just, like, real time, you and I have talked about this already, I just real time figured out why this strikes me as weird as fuck, but, like, I knew it felt familiar. I knew it felt like I've, I, I, like, why does this conversation feel like I know where it's going, even though I don't understand it? Kim, every single person on this earth, if they have not lived this, has a friend who did or what I'm about to say is the real statement, a roommate who did. Favorite is doing that thing that moms do to their college kids. You mean you're not going to come home for the summer? Like, but we're your family. Why would you want to stay in your one-bedroom loft with Susie? Because Susie's my friend, mom, and what the fuck was I going to do when I got home anyway? But, like, your dad and I just really excited to see you okay but like i'm 23 like what is the problem yeah that's what's happening here <laughs> it is and that's awesome and i hadn't even thought of it but it's just there's a jealousy to it now it's, a jealousy, that, but it's not a jealousy of him specifically it's no. like a jealousy of like she doesn't want to share his time it's not even about sharing his time. She's fine sharing his time because I don't even think she actually legitimately wants him to like live in their house because like they were just talking about how their house is too freaking crowded. It's it's about the fact that he doesn't come to visit unless something stupid like solstice. Like like they had to go out of their way to like invite him and now he feels like he has to come. She wants him to come because he wants to. Right. That's why she's upset. Right. Okay, funny. I agree. I mean, I, I it is. It's a total mom. You know, mom dealing with the empty nest with her child trying to establish themselves and be comfortable on their own. Well, in fairness, I wouldn't have thought about it if I hadn't flipped the page as that like thought was occurring to me, and I realized that Lucian's response is so nineteen-year-old boy. <laughs> so she's like. I didn't, she's basically trying to now apologize because she's realizing he's going to leave, right? Which, again, very mom, right? She's like, you know, like, no, it's okay. She literally says, you have a home here if you want. (laughs) And then he has the most 19-year-old boy response ever. The Band of Exiles. 
what? That's what we call ourselves, the Band of Exiles. Okay, like what instruments do you play? Um, <laughs> well, it's a good band name, I gotta admit. I know, but does that not sound like, it, like I said, it falls into that conversation. Well, I'm not coming home for the summer, Mom. I'm touring with my band. Since when do you even play an instrument? Since Thursday, Mom. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in fairness, now she's looking at him like he's a f- freaking lunatic because, I mean, yeah, what a freaking weird answer, right? She's like, you named yourselves? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, but isn't, like, Jorian's not in exile. Like, none of you are in exile. Like, what? Well, um, is, and, and in theory, Lucian is. She literally says to him, and what exactly does this band of exiles do? Host events? Organize party planning committees? Oh my god, she really is just, like, on a mom rant. Holy balls, guys. Wow. Anyway, they get into a fight about it, basically, and he finally says what he really has been trying to, like, not say because he was trying to be nice. He was like, I can't stand to be in the same room as her for more than two minutes. I can't stand to be in this court and have your mate pay for my very clothes on my back. And she's like, oh, oh, like, what? That goes about as well as you think because he kind of says that like he doesn't know what to do either because like he can't go back to the spring court and favor's like huh like i thought you were at the spring court though and he's like oh oh i was and it was a shitty time don't get me wrong but it got way worse after your mate pissed tamlin off beyond all belief and she's like wait no like that's not what was supposed to happen he's like doesn't matter it is what happened <laughs> And uh, he's like, so basically, like, I can't be there either, right? So, like, where the hell else am I supposed to go? And, uh... Well, because Tamlin literally sent all of his stuff to the manor house where he stays with Jurian and Vessa. Right, right. Like, fuck you, here's your shit, go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, this is very much, like... A boy who's bounced from like roommates to roommates until he finally found some he actually likes, you know, and mom is like making a whole thing out of it. And it's like, no, no, he needs this. He needs to do this. You know what I mean? And it's kind of funny because this is usually about the time in your, you know, ABC family movie where the mom is freaking out, like yelling. And then the dad has to come in and be like, whoa, what's the problem? Everybody just calm down. Sweetheart, he needs to go out on his own and find who he is as a man. Um, And sure enough, right now is when Reese like goes down the bond and is like, yo, like what the fuck is going on? Everything okay up there? And she's like, um like she kind of like fills him in quickly with her little like ability to show him in her head right and he's like i'm sorry to have caused him so much trouble like do you need me to come home and talk to like (laughs) diffuse the situation and she says she can handle it and he's like okay like (laughs) cool beans but um obviously she's gone deadpan for a moment while this all happened so lucian's like checking in and she pulls she like bullshits she's like yeah i don't know what you mean and he's like yes you do like (laughs) why do you think I'm an idiot um anyway he decides like well this is gone as well as this is gonna go I'm out of here and he leaves two boxes and he says the bigger box is for you the smaller one is for her Feyre realizes he had actually brought them solstice gifts and then by the time she's gonna say something he's already left yeah foot in mouth yeah that went like it went and we get a snowflake (laughs) Blood balloon. I mean, it's just, 
the whole thing, I was just like, oh my God, they were, what the well, fuck? Problem? And now Feyre does, like I said, it's truly a mom thing, I think. Like, she just didn't know how to say what she was trying to say. And so she did the worst job ever. And now she does exactly again, like every ABC family movie. Now, because she pissed off her son and he's not going to be home for Christmas, now she's going to go take it out on her daughter. Um, <laughs> she goes to Elaine and she's like you couldn't say a single word to him not even a pleasant greeting and Elaine just kind of stares at her because it's like what are you screaming at me for and Feyre's like he brought you a present and then this is where I'm like wow Elaine just like really says what she's gonna say doesn't she she's like and that entitles him to my time or my affections and it's like, again, I understand, like, I'm glad Elaine is lucid, but Elaine's also, like, a little socially awkward. No, but the least you could do is look at the man. He's never done anything to you. He's never done anything but being kind to you. Right. Like, I'm sorry, have you not looked around and realized what matey-matiness could have resulted in? He could have locked you up like somebody else got locked. You know what I mean? Like... He actually reacted very well. He has handled the whole thing very well. So, like, the least you could do is, like, not be an asshole. Yeah, I agree. And Feyre kind of says that because she's like, look, like, he's a nice guy, right? Like, he cares about you. And she's like, he doesn't know me. <laughs> That's when I was like, wow. It's a got- petulant game. I know. I was like, wow, we really got, like, some hormones up in this house. <laughs> and she's like and fair tries to remind her like you haven't even given him the option of getting to know you so yeah you're right he doesn't know you because you've avoided him like the plague and then elaine says the thing that, and that like this is kind of the moment where i go and this is why i tend to personally write elaine off it's not because of so much some of the other stuff but she's like i don't want a mate i don't want a male implying she wants a, a human not a fae right we all want things, but sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. I've got bad news for you, bitch. You ain't going back to being human. Nope. Not happening. And I got bad news for you, too. If you want a human man, go go find yourself one. Go find yourself one. But please remember that you're going to live to be like a million years old and he's going to live to the right age of 60 if he's got, like, good genes. Like... I don't know what to tell you, Elaine. Like, you're more than welcome to go find a human. There might be one out there who's chill. I mean, Feyre was human when she fell in love with Tamlin. So, you know, it could happen. But you bitching about it is definitely not going to bring Grayson back. And why would you even want him back? You know what I mean? I mean, everybody admits he's the biggest douche canoe on the planet. Right. So like, I just, that's the part of this that bugs the shit out of me that I don't understand about Elaine. It's like, if you want to like reject your bond to Lucian, fucking do it. Fine. But don't sit around and act like there's a universe in which you get to become human again. And then Grayson will take you back. Even if you did become human again, he wouldn't take you back. Nope. Not now. So like, what is the point of this? Anyway, Finally, Farrah basically gets down to the crux of the whole thing. Like I said, very ABC family movie where she admits she just doesn't really know what to do in this situation because she just doesn't like to see Elaine unhappy. And Elaine finally says like, I know, like I get it. 
you don't, whatever. Um, but I am. And it's like, okay, fine. And so Farrah's just like, okay, I'm just gonna leave now. And so she walks out and I guess Moore has probably heard this whole thing because Moore is just like sitting on the stairs like, want to get a drink? <laughs> and Farrah's like, yes, please. Uh, and Moore's like, do you want my advice? And she's like, I guess, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, no, maybe so. Yeah. I'm kind of done for words more. And more says, stay out of it. She's not ready. And neither is he, no matter how many presents he brings. Basically tells her, like, you know, let him do his thing. Let him get over the whole Tamlin, like, bullshit. Let him hang out with his new buddies in the Band of Exiles. Let him figure his shit out. And then let her do the same. And then they can talk as normal well-adjusted adults and I was laughing because like I said more basically did the part of uh dad where he's like you just gotta let him grow up sweetheart so yeah but more also kind of calls her on her shit and is like by the way some of your problem is that you feel like it's their fault that they got turned into Faye in the first place and well it's not (laughs) you can't fix it and it's not your fault stop trying to fix it yeah yeah, and Fair's like, but I always do want to fix it. And Moore's like, yeah, that's why we love you. That's why they love you. But cut it the fuck out before you drive us all crazy. So finally, she's like, uh, you know, okay, fine. Like, change the subject. Like, Moore, are you happy? And that's when I like wanted to punch myself in the face because I was like, wow, we really are going to make like a whole plot point where it's like, Moore is unhappy because she doesn't know how to tell everybody she's a lesbian, even though I literally don't think there's anybody here who does who gives a shit. Um... <laughs> No, well, I really don't think they do. Anyway, so now that we're talking about family and are we happy, uh, Farrah realizes, like, wait, where is the other half of our family anyway? Like, the boy half? Like, what happened to him? <laughs> Moore's like, oh, 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 nobody told you? Oh, you got to see this with your own eyeballs. <laughs> so they winnow out of there to the cabin. And what does Farrah see in the snow? Forts. What kind of forts? Snow forts. They are having a snowball fight. (laughs) Three Illyrian warriors, the greatest Illyrian warriors, are having a snowball fight. And Moore clarifies that yes, indeed they are, and they have done this every solstice since they were children. These men that are more than 500 years old are having a snowball fight. Yes. And uh, I guess Moore has the uh, winning uh, victory tally somewhere. She knows uh, exactly who has won how many. Uh, she's yeah. like, I can, I can fill you in later. <laughs> and then you just basically get a little scene of like them throwing things and uh, Reese just being like, Ass-. everybody's like, you're an asshole. Like it's a whole thing. And Moore is like, let's, let's go inside. They'll be done soon. <laughs> well, Moore's like, look, it's no wings, no magic, uh, no breaks. Yeah. Yeah. And Gary was like, wait, but they've been here since, since noon. Moore's like, right, right. There's a reason I don't come watch. It's not a quick sport. (laughs) She's like, I sit inside and drink. (laughs) So chapter 19, in case you're curious, Asriel won. I have a feeling that's probably most of the time. Uh, This is his 199th victory. Reese comes in, gives Feyre a quick kiss on the head, and the boys head over to their, uh, you know, their cedar-lined shed. They're gonna go do the whole, like, steamy room sauna shiznit, and Feyre's just like, uh, what? (laughs) And Moore's like, yeah, like, 
that's another part of the tradition. First, they beat the shit out of each other out there, and then they go sweating there. Naked. Yeah. That's the important part. They are naked. That's the thing, though. Feyre can't... She's like, her brain is sputtering. She's like, they're naked. And Moore's like, yeah. And she's like, all three of them. And Moore's like, yeah. (laughs) And she's like, in there. And Moore's like, what the... Like the more you talk about this, the more I'm remembering why I'm a lesbian. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, what is your damage? Um, anyway, uh, down the bond, Reese is picking up on Feyre being a little like sputtery about this whole thing. And he's like, interested in taking a look. And she's like, yeah, go back to your sweating. And he's like, there's room for one more in here. And she's like, I thought mates were territorial. And I was like, wow, that's really where this book was going for a second. Like, okay. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) um, But no, it doesn't get that weird. Um, I mean, like, if that's your thing, great. But um, no, this is not like a reverse harem situation. Uh, anyway, uh, she, the conversation down the bond devolves into like, uh, you know, oh, I'm always into whatever you're into. And Faye was like, okay, like, I'm pretty sure you promised a wall at some point. And he's like, ah, oh, we've been there, done that. And she's like, no, I mean, here in the cabin. And he's like, uh, like, could we not be talking about, like, the thing is, is he opened the can of worms and now he's regretting opening the can of worms. Oh, yes. Um, one of the big rules is like, for the love of God, don't get an erection while you're in the sauna with the other dudes, okay? <laughs> so Feyre realizes this is the case, and Feyre just starts sending him like mental images down the bond, and uh, all we know is that obviously that went exactly how we expected, because I heard a door slamming somewhere in the house, followed by a distinctly male yelp, then banging as if someone was trying to get back inside. Moore's eyes sparkled. You got him kicked out, didn't you? <laughs> and they laugh maniacally about it. And then we get a snowflake. And now we're getting dressed for dinner and everybody's in their finest. And despite having all the money in the world, Pharaoh wears the same dress twice. <laughs> mm, three times, though? Yeah, I don't know. She's worn a few times. It's the Starfall gown. Which is, you know, great. <laughs> um, but they're all dressed up. They have their little toast to the uh, blessed darkness from which we are born and to which we return. Raise our glass. Blink, drink. Farrah's like, is that the end of that? And he's like, yeah, did you really want to keep me droning on and on? And I think all she can think is, well, if you were Anthe, then yes, we would have done this for like four hours at least. <laughs> I think that's her problem. She has nothing nothing to measure this against because her last experience was in spring court with Tamlin and Ayanthi and torment and torture that that was. Right. So she's like, okay then. And he gives her a kiss and we just all move on with our lives. And (laughs) Elaine is looking out the window and Feyre notes in her head that she looks all pretty in her amethyst colored gown. And that as is all decked out in his very nice, you know, all black suit, very similar to uh, like Reese's, as wishes Elaine a happy solstice. And Elaine admits like, well, I've never participated in one of these. And uh, this is when Amron decides to like barge into the conversation. And she's like, they're highly overrated. (laughs) 
Uh, to which Moore points out, like, that's a lot coming from someone who makes out like a bandit every year in presents. Yep, yep. And uh, they go back and forth for a second, and Fair kind of suddenly realizes Reese uh, has disappeared, but now he is returning with... You didn't, she blurts out. A cake with 21 candles on it. Not just any cake, though. No, not just any cake. Elaine helped. She says, Nuala did the decorating, though. On the top, flowers. In the middle, flames. And on the bottom, widest layer, stars. The same design of the chest of drawers I'd once painted in that dilapidated cottage. One for each of us, each sister. Those stars and moons sent to be me, uh, sent to me by mind by my mate long before we'd ever met. I asked Nuala to do it in that order because you're the foundation, the one who lifts us. You always have been. Mm, Elaine, no. feel a all little of her deep, deep, an asshole <laughs> All of her awkwardness. She she then comes back to moments like this, and you're like, okay. Yeah. That's the problem, is she may be the middle child, but she definitely gives off youngest child energy. And that has yep, to do yep. with youngest and baby her. So, I mean, it is what it is. Anyway. No, I, uh, I mean, it, it's true. She's, yeah. Yeah, it's very awkward. But it's cute. Anyway, so Farah gets to, like, blow out the candles, make a wish, you get how a birthday works. <laughs> Reese asks what she's going to wish for. And we get a little thing in her head. Like I said, I swear to God, if you don't understand where this is going, they're really trying to hit you over the head with this one. I truly knew what I wanted to wish for, as if it were a piece of Amarin's puzzle clicking into place, as if the threads of the weaver's tapestry finally revealed the design they'd formed to make. I didn't tell him, though, not as I gathered my breath in blue. Then we get another snowflake. Blow out those candles. Yep. And now we're going to do presents, okay? We're going to do presents. (laughs) pile a tower of presents and uh yeah long story short they're very excited more is squealing uh amber makes a joke about how like they were all trying to like guess what their gifts were and everybody's like no i wasn't doing that and reese is like and more is like reese caught amber trying to shake a box to figure out what was inside and amber's like what you didn't see was cassian down there 10 minutes earlier sniffing each box <laughs> so i mean they're all throwing each other the thing is, is that Reese just snaps his fingers and all the presents appear. Because right. Theo was so confused. She's like, presents. And all she sees are the two from, from Lucian. And she's like, um, am I missing something? Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, I had to hide them because they're all a bunch of freaks. <laughs> and she's like, wait, out of all the people, somehow you're the most trustworthy one to, like, not unwrap the presents? And he's like, well, I am the high lord. Like, in case, because you all tend to forget that. <laughs> She was like, not even Azrael. She's like spy yeah. master. Yeah. He's like, my dear, I am the High Lord. Like, good Lord. <laughs> so, quick rundown of some of the gifts. Um, Azrael gave Amran some earrings. Uh, they're like diamond and pearl. I like what Varian says because to, to get this party started, Amran's like, I'll go first. Oh yeah. Like, of course you will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, he does. Of course you will. Yeah. He's picking up fast, man. Yep, yep. Moore gets a present from Cassian and she opens it. 
And she says, thank you, darling. And he says, I know what you like. And she holds up a red negligee and everybody's just staring at her like, what the fuck? And she says, don't let him fool you. He couldn't think of a damn thing to get me. So he gave, gave up and asked me outright. I gave him precise orders. And for once in his life, he obeyed them. <laughs> that was a good one. Yeah. So like that happened. Uh, and everybody like busts out laughing. And even Elaine is like, wow, that's kind of hilarious. So that's a fun moment. They all get to share. Uh, they're still like ripping into gifts. And suddenly they hear a knock on the door. Just one, one quick hard knock. And at that moment, they all go silent because they know exactly who it is. Nesta's yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, yeah. Nesta's standing outside of the house rather awkwardly, I might add. <laughs> Just like, oh my God, yeah. Which rolls right into chapter 20. We gotta open the door. <laughs> yeah. So we it do. Is we do. And uh, we're awkward about it. Uh, right up there with how we answer the door for Lucian. Because <laughs> uh, Feyre was like, we're in the sitting room. And she's like, I saw <laughs> through the window. And everybody is in there still like around the gifts, just like awkwardly having conversation, obviously trying to pretend that they're like not listening to everything Feyre and Nesta say. So that's just like making it worse. And Feyre is like, again, Feyre is talking to her like she's never had a guest before. And she's like, I will take your coat. <laughs> Nesta is acting like she's never come into a house before because she is still standing there in the open doorway. And finally, Elaine has to be like, you'll fall ill if you just stand there in the cold, come sit with me by the fire. And so finally, after a moment, she does come in. And everybody's just like staring kind of awkwardly, but like pretending they're not staring, which again is probably making it more awkward. And Elaine's just like walking her in, uh, presumably towards the uh, liquor cabinet, which like good on Elaine for knowing her sister. But Amron's like, don't take her to the wine, take her to the food. I can see her bony ass even through that dress. <laughs> and Nesta just freezes for a moment at that because, well... That was an insult. And uh, Cassian's like, oh, Jesus. Like, he's just still like, wow, this is about to go really poorly. But yes. instead, Amron just smiles and says, happy solstice, girl. And Nesta, after staring at Amron for a moment, actually smiles back and says, pretty earrings. <laughs> so... I appreciate it because I think it kind of proves like, I don't know if Feyre really believed when Amron was like, yeah, like Nesta comes over all the time. Like we're actually pretty close. I think this moment kind of proves like actually they really are. Yeah, no, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, it's the whole Amron's yeah. going to give her shit, give her shit, give her shit. And eh, happy solstice. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, that's, that was a fun moment. I appreciate that. And Elaine explains, uh, you know, we were just getting the presents. Uh, we haven't eaten yet. And Nessa's just like, okay, whatever. She doesn't say anything. She takes a glass of wine and just sits with Elaine. And uh, funny enough, uh, Elaine, uh, after giving a glass of wine to Nesta, uh, takes a quick shot. <laughs> Just to like bourbon or whiskey or whatever. Boy, how I mean, yeah. straight up. Takes a quick shot. And uh, Amarin doesn't miss that and uh, like snort laughs. laughs. 
Um, luckily, Nesta does miss that whole ordeal because she is looking at the cake and she finally turns and she says to Feyre, happy birthday. Yep. And yeah, I was like, oh, that's, that's gotta be weird because you know, they never celebrated that before, but you know that they all knew. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's hard to celebrate when you don't have the money. Right. And so Nesta just kind of is awkwardly like, you can return to your presence. Like, don't mind me. I'm just here. And Elaine actually gives her one and says, this one's for you. And Feyre is like, okay, like this is going okay. And so she like kind of says down the bond to Reese, like, say something, say anything. Like, let's just keep the conversation going before it gets awkward. <laughs> and uh, like, like that whole Jewish mother. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, some say something, somebody say something. And so uh, finally he does. He turns to Varian who like poor Varian, right? Like this dude just like, he's like, I just want to be a fly on the wall. Okay. Like, shut up and Reese is like does Tarquin host a formal party for the summer solstice and you know Varian's like why are they so fucking obsessed with our summer solstice for winter solstice like yeah we've been to parties before (laughs) I feel like Varian's getting that treatment that like the foreign exchange student gets you know like from Japan like do you have a 7-eleven in Japan does it look like our 7-eleven do you call it 7-eleven like yes but at the same time I think I think Varian is enough of a courtier that I don't think he's totally like unaware. And I, I, I think he probably catches on a whole lot faster than people think he will and, and give him credit for. Probably. But like we said, I just feel bad for him. Cause I feel like he's just like trying to be here. Like not as that he's just trying to be here as like Amron's date. <laughs> Please put the title for my job aside. I'm here as a normal everyday person. Thanks. Right. So I'm like, my poor dude just has answered a rather large number of questions about summer solstice for somebody who's a guest at winter solstice, but whatever. Anyway, Moore gives Asriel his gift and Asriel keeps his mouth shut as he opens two hideous uh, blue like hand towels that are embroidered with his initials on them. Uh, Moore get, tries to give Cassian his gift, but he's, like, totally too busy just staring at Nesta, who opened up, is opening her present from Elaine, and it's, yeah, and it's five novels in a leather box set, and, uh, Elaine's, like, kind of cute about it. She's like, yeah, like, I went down to the bookshop, you know, the one by the theater, and I asked them for recommendations. And, like, she said that these are some of her favorites, so I got them. And Feyre's, like, looking at them, like, trying to read the covers from where she's at. And she's like, I guess they're romance novels. I'm not entirely sure. And Mm -hmm. Nesta just uh, looks through them for a moment and then does thank Elaine. And she says that the words are, like, stiff and kind of grovelly. And I guess I don't know exactly what we're supposed to do with that, but I think it's – I think – I think Nesta feels weird because she doesn't want to be here anyway. Uh, right. They've never celebrated this before. Yeah. For anyone. Yeah. She doesn't have gifts for anyone. She didn't probably expect anyone to get her a gift. And now she's kind of probably thinking, well, actually I should have thought that Elaine would because that's what Elaine does. You know what I mean? I, I think if anybody else got her something, she'd be like, well, that's on you, dumbass. Like, why would I think to get you a gift? You know what I mean? But like, maybe, I think she, maybe favor. Maybe. maybe. But like Elaine, she's like, wow, that's, 
yep, that's my sister. Uh, anyway, Cassian finally does open his gift for more, and what else should it be than red silk undershorts that basically match the uh, negligee he bought her? I don't know what they're supposed to do with that information, honestly. What a weird power move on Moore's part. Um, but Nesta doesn't even catch on, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I agree. It makes and you then, wonder what the fuck Moore's doing because I like, don't know because she likes girls, so I don't understand. No, I'm lost. <sighs> I don't, I don't know, guys. I don't know. Uh, but then we get a quick rundown of what Favor got everybody. Favor got Amryn a special folder for carrying her puzzles. Uh, but she also got her uh, a, a brooch. Uh, so that's nice. And then Elaine uh, had, got a pale blue cloak with armholes, perfect for gardening in the chillier months. Um, which, again, I think for the night course, like all of them. So she'll get some good use out of that. <laughs> And then uh, Cassian, Azriel, and more all get paintings, which is kind of a joke in the fandom all the time that everyone's always like, wow, I bet they're like, great, what are we doing with these? <laughs> you know, Cassian and Azriel and more are all like, we don't even have houses to put these in. <laughs> so then we get like a quick list of what Feyre got from people and Amran got her an illuminated manuscript ancient and beautiful from Azriel, rare vibrant paint from the continent and from Cassian a proper leather sheath for a blade to be set down the groove of my spine like a true Illyrian warrior from Elaine fine brushes monogrammed with my initials and the night court insignia on the handles and for more a pair of fleece lined slippers bright pink fleece lined slippers <laughs> she won't lose them ain't that the truth and Reese finally opens his present from Feyre, which is <laughs> the painting that she had painted of herself in the Orboros mirror, Orboros mirror. But uh, Cassian opens his big dumbass mouth and asks, like, what is that thing? Tell me that's not your new pet. Um, that's all i have to say to that's asshole he has nothing to compare it to he has no idea why she painted that thing so he's just like interesting um but reese uh legitimately appreciates it and thanks her for it and she's like i have no idea where you might hang it but i wanted you to have it and he tells her it's beautiful and he's like a little choked up about the whole thing and just down the bond, he's like, you are beautiful. And she's like, so are you. And he says, I know. <laughs> uh, and now with only a few presents left, uh, they're pretty much down to the ones they need to open from Lucian. Lucian. And it says, I opened mine to find a gift for me and my mate. Three bottles of fine liquor. You'll need it, was all the note said. I handed the lane. I know. I handed Elaine the small box with her name on it. Her smile faded as she opened it. Enchanted gloves that won't tear or become too sweaty while gardening. And she put them aside awkwardly. And I don't know. I just... I don't know. I just feel bad. Because I just feel bad that... Like, I feel bad because I kind of just want Elaine to either, like, give it up or like get with it you know what I mean like I kind of like like if you're gonna reject him just do it just you know what it. I mean stop stop you know beating her on the bush you know piss on piss piss or get off the pot yeah yeah so 
Yeah. But then luckily we get beyond this moment pretty quickly because Amran is literally squealing out loud like a little piggy when she opens uh, her gift from Reese and sees all of the uh, glittery, glittery, glitterness. Yes. <laughs> and then more hands a present that's still sitting there to Az and says, this one's for you. And Elaine p- pipes up, oh, that's for me. And when he opens it, she explains it's a, she had asked uh, the healer there, Maja, to make a powder for him to mix in any drink. She says, it's for the headaches everyone always gives you since you rub your temples so often. (laughs) For a moment, he's just silent. And then he busts out laughing and then everybody busts out laughing. And she, and he thanks her because it's just like that, like, yep <laughs> like good work like yes i absolutely will use this <laughs> well and i think it's funny because i think you know everybody i think they all think she's not as observant as she is and i sure you know that's kind of one of the the faults that they all have regarding regarding her sure. and elaine sure. really like in all of her weirdness all of her social awkwardness that she now has as a high fae She's so observant and she always has been. Yeah. And I think that's where people sell her short. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And uh, Nesta's just been awkwardly watching this whole time. She doesn't really (laughs) know what to say. Um, She hasn't said anything. And in this moment, it's just particularly stark that she's just sitting there in silence, kind of awkwardly while everybody else is laughing, including Elaine. And all of a sudden, Favor kind of realizes that this is awkward for Nesta because Elaine is laughing with them. She's like part of the us and Nesta is not. And she remarks that it's as if Nesta were looking at us through some sort of window, as if she were still standing out in the front yard watching us in the house. Feyre kind of for a second stops laughing because she realizes like how sad that is. And then she kind of goes back to like fake smiling and she catches that Cassian's doing the same and yeah. we get a snowflake. It's a blur of a good time, finishing unwrapping the presents, eating all the food, drinking, drinking, drinking. And now it's like two in the morning and people are finally starting to leave. Um, Amron and Varian leave first. Uh, Varian has the a lovely job of carrying all her gifts. He's the Sherpa. Yes, he's the Sherpa. And um, yeah, uh, Nesta leaves after that. Uh, Nesta does say goodnight to Elaine and gives her a quick kiss on the head and like leaves. And she's headed out. It's awkward. The next chapter we aren't covering until the next episode. But this moment also is awkward to me because it feels... Contrived? Yes. So when she goes to leave, Feyre follows her to the door and gives her the money because remember she had said like, if you want your rent, then like you got to come to Solstice. And it's not like Nesta asked for it. It's not like Nesta was like, look, I came, where's my money? That's not what happened. She just got up ready to leave. She didn't even leave first. Amarin left first. Then she was like, cool, here's a good time for me to go. Bye Elaine. Thanks for the present. I'm out. And as she heads to the door, Feyre comes to her, gives her the money, says, as promised. And Nesta takes the envelope, but she doesn't say anything. I mean, she doesn't thank her, but she also doesn't say anything snarky. She just kind of looks at her and takes the money. And then she goes to leave and she like turns and leaves out the door and the floorboards thudded behind me. And then I was being gently, but forcibly moved to the side. It had happened so fast. I barely had time to realize that Cassian had gone storming past right out the front door to my sister. 
And that's the end of the chapter. And it's just weird because Cassian's clearly like offended that this whole thing went down. He clearly caught the whole thing with her handing over the money for the rent. But how that's like his place, I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like Nesta was not even like nasty about it. She showed up. She shut up. She sat in the corner. She thanked Elaine for the present she got. She wasn't the first to leave. She didn't ask for the money. She left. Like, I I get that she wasn't super pleasant, but, like, it could have gone worse. It was awkward. Definitely awkward, though. Yeah, but it could have gone worse. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter and the end of the section we're going to cover here today. So, really rapid fire because we are all tired and we have more chapters coming later this week. Kim, hit us with your songs. Hey, so we have, uh, I'm not going to lie, there are several songs here. Um, Anybody listening who knows me knows that my favorite holiday is Christmas, and so any excuse to listen to Christmas music and match it to things is going to happen, and I'm going to take great pride and pleasure and joy in it. Um, Even if it is July, I I don't care. Um, So, I, I, yeah. We have, we have some songs. We have a lot of songs. So bear with me, people. That's all I got to say. Uh, song one is Please Come Home for Christmas by Bon Jovi. Uh, it's when Farah is at the the bar convincing Nesta to come. Yeah. Two is Winter Winds by Mumford and Sons. It's Reese and Moore walking along the ruins of the River Manors. Three is The Price of Our Freedom. From Arcane, the League of Legends soundtrack. And it's Favor shopping with Elaine. And they're in the Weaver shop. And the Weaver's telling her story right. about her, her, her mate. Um, and then song four is The City Needs Healing. Again, Arcane League, League of Legends soundtrack. Uh, it's Favor at the gallery getting busted by Racina. The whole awkward, it's for sale. Yada, yada, yada. Song five is Once Upon a December by Blackmore's Night. Uh, it's Reese talking to Cassie and Azrael in the townhouse in the bedroom. You know, the doll's bedroom, basically. <laughs> Doll furniture. Tiny. <laughs> Song six is The Holly and the Ivy by Manaheim Steamroller. And it's when Reese is looking at Feyre on Solstice Eve. And, and Amron kicks him and is like, dude, you're going to make me puke. <laughs> Seven is White Christmas by Bing Crosby. When they're all gathered in the sitting room and they're watching the snow yeah. and it's that Christmas card Norman Rockwell moment. Song eight is Oh Holy Night by Josh Groban. Again, the toast to the solstice. Yeah. Song nine is Joyful Joyful by Casting Crowns. It's when Favor wakes up on solstice morning. A.K.A. her birthday. Song 10 is Birthday Girl by Lizzo. I wonder kind why. Of <laughs> kind of obvious. I hope everybody understands why I picked that. Um, song 11 is You'll Shoot Your Eye Out. You'll being spelled Y-U-L-E. Which is very funny. It's a very punny play on mm-hmm. words. By Fallout Boy, and it's the Bat Boys at their snowball fight. Uh, song 12 is Old Friend, 
Arcane League of Legends soundtrack uh, when Lucian arrives at the townhouse on Solstice morning. Yeah. Song 13. (laughs) No, it really could have. That was so awkward on so many levels. Uh, Song 13 is Memory, Dead Winter, Dead Intro by Sabotage. And it's, again, Lucian visiting with them when they're talking and Elaine has left and he and Feyre are kind of snarking a little bit having for the first time a kind of more meaty conversation as well yeah uh song 14 is it came upon the midnight clear i went with pentatonix's version but pick a version i don't care the family gathering at the toll house on solstice night uh song 15 is father christmas by harry grayson williams uh, again the family gathering the yeah. bringing out of the cake the opening of the presents um, and then for a more upbeat celebratory sound in the background um, is Linus and Lucy by the Vince Guaraldi trio um, because it's just, it's a happier, happier sounding yeah. thing going on. Um, song 17 is Thankful by Josh Groban and it's when Nesta arrives. And song 18 is the bitches back by Elton John and it's <laughs> nested during the celebration, but I mean not really. She was well behaved, but definitely it's more um, like everybody's perception. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's the perception that everyone else is having, not yeah. necessarily Nesta's actual yeah. behavior. It's kind and of those are but yeah. I love it. And we do have one TikTok. It's um from our friend Michaela uh at Book Nerd or at Jude Greenbrier on TikTok. TikTok's weird. I don't know which one it is. Good luck. It we'll link it in the show notes. But anyway, she did a quick uh TikTok about Nesta at Solstice that I thought was funny. We thought we'd share. Uh, and then speaking of TikTok, here are all of our socials. We do them at the end of the show, so here they are. <gasps> Website at massivefansbookclub.com, Facebook at Massive Fans Book Club and Podcast, Twitter at Massive Podcast, Instagram at Massive Fans Podcast, Pinterest at Massive Fans, and TikTok at Massive Fan Pod, but also you can just look at them in the show notes. Yep. yep and yep, that yep. wraps it, that wraps it up. Uh, we will be doing uh, another chunk of chapters for you in another episode before the end of the month. Uh, keep an eye out on that. And that'll finish the book too. That'll finish the book. We're getting it done. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And, that, and then we're going back to Crescent City. Yep. All right. Hang in there. Uh, yep, yep. But until next time.